Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This is Paige, the co host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving Olive in June. Olive in June gives you Everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Four Center podcast feed. This is one of our deep dive shows. We're going to be deep diving into death and coming back from death in Star Wars. I'm Joseph Scrimshaw. I am very much alive, and I'm kind of I'm good. I'm. I think we should start every podcast that way. Of uh, I'm so and so, and I'm alive. It's like my old boss every day. Show up to the mall. Uh, it was a good day. I'm above ground. Let's go get some coffee. 
It is just a great validation. Hi, I'm above ground, and it's time for coffee. Uh, we're going to get into being above ground in lots of different ways in Star Wars, uh, literally in uh, some of these examples, and below ground in others. Uh, but we want to first remind you, of course, that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash center. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. This week, we are continuing to recommend Ahsoka by E.K. Johnston. It is a great look at the character in a really interesting, significant part, I think, of the old Star Wars timeline. So to download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash center. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash center for your free audiobook. All right, Ken, uh, we've got kind of a cheeky title. Uh, our, the title of this episode is Somehow Blank Has Returned. Uh, playing off of Poe's now famous line, somehow Palpatine has returned, uh, a line that I'm fascinated with because I find it just really compelling and and uh, weird and interesting, and it is often used uh, by people who don't like Rise of Skywalker or don't like uh, Palpatine's uh, return to sort of uh, poke fun at it. And in some ways, for me, it, it reminds me of uh, back in the days where you could say, hey, I kind of love Star Wars, or I really love Star Wars, but here's this little part of it I, I kind of want to poke fun at. How do you feel about just that that sentence, that that uh, line from Poe Dameron and the larger life it's taken on in the world of Star Wars memes? <laughs> I so I, I I do love it because it also sets up Beaumont Ken for his wonderfully awkward stuff. Um, I do love it. I do love it. However, I can't deny that in the theater the first time, here I am aware. Uh, you know, you and I are at the same screen, and I'm aware that. Palpatine coming back is not going to be loved by everybody. It already hadn't been embraced by everybody. The movie start, you're like, boom, here we go. He's not a whisper, a rumor. Boom, he here he is. He's on the claw and he's talking to Kylo. So I'm like, okay, I love it. But this is good. And then so when you get to that point, somehow I was like, uh-oh. Uh-oh. I just I can just hear the think pieces being typed <laughs> out behind me. I can just hear that. So I couldn't help but deny it. But I I as someone who who loves Palpatine's return and actually grew to love this version of Palpatine's return. And when I say grew, I mean, in the theater, the first viewing, was like, <laughs> I, I feel good about this. Uh, when I had some doubts going in over, over months, years, uh, speculation, all that kind of stuff. Um, anyways, that line is, is yes, it's interesting and I don't dislike it. I don't love it. It's just really, really funny and interesting. It is just, it's a focal point of, uh, of discussion about this uh, topic. And, and we're going to talk a little bit more uh, about that line in the course of our conversation. But uh, we're trying to have some fun with the title. But what we wanted to do is discuss the history of characters coming back uh, from the seeming dead, from narratives where it appeared as though they had died. And then we learned, no, they did not. Or in the case of uh, Palpatine, uh, from a certain point of view, uh, his he died, as he says, I've died before. Uh, and sounds both disgusted and proud of himself. Uh, <laughs> so we thought we'd uh, we'd uh, dive into, you know, do we like it when characters come back from the apparent death? And why? And what's at stake in the storytelling when they come back? And who do we want to stay dead? And who do we want to see just rise like a force-powered phoenix? Um so many characters can who who appear to die uh, but then return. Uh, Boba Fett, uh, Maul, uh, Palpatine. Uh, I'll I'll throw Ahsoka in there because she's a character who has often had the threat of death hanging over her. Going back to her introduction in two thousand eight, you're like, great, Anakin has a Padawan. 
Order 66 is coming. How's that going to work out? And, and then, you know, she appears to die, maybe, big maybe, in Rebels, but then no. So we'll, we'll talk about that. But, you know, there's a lot of different iterations of this. Of The character didn't die at all. You just didn't see this other part of the story. Or the threat of death is hanging over them. Or in Palpatine's case, I've died before. Um, so what I want to start our conversation out is, is just why are you okay with some returns to life and maybe struggle with others. Do you have any sort of theories on what makes a return to life uh, acceptable to you in Star Wars? We, yeah, we need to get a therapist in here, Stat, because it, it, it definitely changes. It's it's changed over the years. Uh, I, I've always said Star Wars is Star Wars to me. It's not, I don't, I'm not here because it's sci-fi. It's fantasy. People coming back is a thing in fantasy. It's, I guess the best way I can describe it, Joseph, is it's it's case by case. However, even that case changes. So <laughs> I'm sitting around, probably watching more baseball than Star Wars in, uh, you know, the early 2010s and hear the rumors. Uh, hey, on that Clone Wars show, uh, Darth Maul's back. What? And I'm watching Clone Wars, but, you know, I'm probably missing weeks here and there. It's impossible. It's impossible. I, he's cutting two. Like, what are you saying? What are you saying to me? <laughs> so go to that moment to where I end up with it, where Twin Sons is is um, one of my favorite episodes of Rebels. I, I sometimes consider that just a short film where Obi-Wan literally says, Ezra, do you mind leaving so we can tell this story? Thanks. <laughs> and, and where I end up with it, it's just a, it's a reminder to me to just kind of let it flow and see what they're going to present to you. And then it might not work, just like Palpatine doesn't work for a lot of folks. Maul kind of still doesn't work, maybe work for some folks. Solo kind of highlighted that. A lot of texts coming my way, and I'm sure to your way, Joseph, of what are you talking about? <laughs> How's that I get it. I, yeah, I went through a long time ago. Anyways, uh, so I don't I don't have it. I don't have the answer because it changes. Yeah, I think for me, there is a, a couple of factors. There's the question of, is there more story to tell with this character or did the character feel incomplete? Mm -hmm. And I think... Um, I think there we'll talk a little bit more about exactly how Maul came back and and whether that's a challenge for people about how he literally uh, managed to survive being uh, cut in half and <laughs> falling down a massive shaft. Um, but I think it's kind of um, not not nothing in Star Wars is agreed upon. It seems like there are many many fans who just love the uh, storytelling we got with Maul of he became this. Uh, figure who is this lost, broken soul who was a part of power and isn't a part of power anymore and doesn't really know uh, what to do with himself other than revenge on Kenobi and rebuild his power and then three profit, <laughs> you know, fulfill yeah. his soul by having status, whatever it is. Um, and he developed from those, from just that scary image in Phantom Menace in those, you know, uh, sort of strange somehow he sounds both like a meditation tape and the most evil guy ever, <laughs> you know, in the way he speaks about last we will have revenge and took those elements that were on screen and built this character who is just a symbol of utter rage, but also kind of a, a smirking smart ass and a wounded victimized child who never grew out of his fear and abuse and took all those things and really made it, uh, this character with a lot of story to tell. And I think that's really key of, uh, I think in general, I'm fine with the character coming back if there's story to be told. Yeah. Narrative pur purpose, that big why 
is uh, is worse for me. And I think sometimes it's a simple why. The mall one, why he comes back, hate kept him alive. And he, he wants to fill that hole. Boom, there you go. End of sentence and now some storytelling. I, that, that works for me. That works for me. And I maybe sometimes I over, overthink it. And sometimes I feel maybe cheated, right? Maybe that's going, mall's the one I'm focusing on because I think that's the one where I was like, no, I invested in his death. I even complained about it. Because I wanted more mall. Well, you get more mall, but he's dead. I invested in that. <laughs> and I think that's some sometimes too. You feel oddly cheated. Yeah. It's like, it's like canon changing this whole thing going on with Mandalorians and prime minister all and was, you know, you invest in something, you bring it up in conversation at parties for years and now it changes. And sometimes when the rugs pulled out from under you, you feel a little uh, like you're on shaky ground as a fan and that's okay. You can work through that. Yeah, it's absolutely fine to be on uh, shaky ground. But I think uh, Maul is a, a great example, too, of I think the other reason that I am OK with a character coming back is a sort of uh, premature death, <laughs> uh, yeah. which is to almost say, uh, obviously, I, I don't want a character to come back unless there's a, a compelling storytelling reason for them to move forward. But premature death, I almost mean in the real world case, like a lot of characters have come back, especially um flowing from Lucas has been a real world like wait that character was pretty cool I thought I wanted to kill him but no um you know and it's not Lucas's decision directly to have uh Boba Fett you know first return in you know expanded universe in in books and comics but but Lucas did include his backstory in Attack the Clones because he's like I didn't realize how cool he was everybody else did but I didn't so I wanted to play with him some more I thought people'd like that I would like that so there's this and then I think the same thing with Maul, that that we've got that great behind-the-scenes uh, tidbit that uh, Lucas just walks up to Filoni in the Clone Wars offices and says, hey, uh, I don't know how, uh, but Maul's coming back. <laughs> and I just love that Lucas walked up to Filoni and said, somehow, Maul has returned. Figure it out. <laughs> yeah. um, but I think they, they all go to, those two go to a, a little bit of a real-world factor of like, Wait, those that character is really cool, and I'm really interested in that character. And uh, and and let's have a, a spirit of why not and figure something out. Why not? And it's a uh, it's a fun fun part uh, fun point to start at, I should say. Yeah, yeah. And the last thing for me that makes it okay is you kind of the very first thing that you said is uh, there's a divide between in Star Wars between uh, romance and realism. It's a fantasy story. It is a fantasy story uh, that often involves magic and uh, giant uh, monsters and things like that, uh, where I feel like as long as it doesn't uh, upset the sort of philosophical balance of Star Wars, that it's a fantasy story and, you know, I'm going to embrace somebody coming back to life uh, in a fantasy story uh, much more than I am in a, you know, a, a James Bond movie, right? Well, it's, yes, and it's interesting to say that because I, I am not a those bombs can't drop because there's no gravity in space type of guy. I ain't that at all. Never have been. You know, TIE Fighters wouldn't make, I don't care if they'd make that sound. I love them. I, I've never been held up on that, but then sometimes character coming back i'm like well what's the science on it (laughs) yeah (laughs) i mean really i I understand lightsabers cauterize wounds but like lightsabers cauterize lower intestines is that what we're saying now yeah yeah Uh, you know and if you embrace it the right way it can be a fun conversation about uh about maul and uh, it's you know they they spend a lot of time talking about how he lost his legs and like he lost he lost a lot he lost uh, (laughs) i lost more than his legs (laughs) There, there's some actual issues about how his body functions. But anyway, 
Anyway, uh, so there are also many Star Wars characters that have died and stayed very, very dead. Uh, Obi-Wan, uh, obviously he is a Force spirit. That's a whole other conversation. But Obi-Wan, Anakin, Padme, Shmi, Han Solo, Jabba, Django, the entire main cast of Rogue One, on and on. There is a ton of actual, for real, doesn't get changed, death in Star Wars. Is it important to you that that balance remains, that, that death still feels real in Star Wars to give it stakes? Absolutely. I, I can't even add more to it than what you just said. Stakes that cost, and just in terms of the storytelling, again, not in cost in terms of like we need a realistic, gritty war movie, but there needs to be cost to the story of the Rebellion versus the Empire. And, and that works for me on that level alone. Um, it works for me. You know, I think Anakin's redemption works for me that he, he passes uh, in, 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 in uh, the process of redeeming himself. Uh, kind of valuable stuff. The Shmi one is it's hard and tragic. You and I, led by Jennifer, want uh, more mothers in Star Wars and mothers surviving in Star Wars. Um, but it's powerful to the story of Anakin. Serves that story, and, and uh, you know, and it has value as, as, as a as a as a piece of uh, of the narrative. Yeah, yeah, I totally uh, agree with you. I think it is really important that death still feels real and like not. Just anyone can come back for any reason. Again, we're going to talk about like specific people and how they came back. But I think sometimes in like Star Wars articles, I can see, you know, particularly like rumor things about whether or not there's going to be a series about this. And people say, but they could come back, you know, because anybody can come back in Star Wars. And I think, uh, yeah, you can look at like, yeah. Maul, that's a that's a he took a a, a bad hit and a bad fall and he's back. Uh, but when you really look at it, the amount of death that has been committed to in Star Wars, you know, it isn't that mm-hmm. just anybody comes back willy nilly. So death does still uh, have a lot of power. I think the other thing to me about the power of death in Star Wars is that Star Wars has always uh, been a little fractured in its timeline of storytelling. You know, I talk mm-hmm. a lot about how the very first Star Wars anything, Obi-Wan dies. And besides coming back uh, with some uh, helpful pointers as a force spirit, he's dead. He's been dead since the first Star Wars anything. And we're still getting more storytelling around him because we jump around in the timeline. So the character is dead in the timeline of Star Wars, but he's not really dead in our imagination. He's not dead in our storytelling. So I think Star Wars is unique in that way, that it jumps around time. So a character being dead doesn't necessarily mean that we are done telling stories about them. and then the other really big thing to me is I remember being affected by this uh, when Han Solo died. Spoilers from 2015. Um, and how different death is in, in Star Wars because Star Wars is a generational tale that, you know, it goes on because the next generation goes on. But Star Wars doesn't have this thing that a lot of other pop culture things have where it reinvents itself, Right. Um, so like to some big pop culture deaths in the last couple of years to compare Han Solo dying in the force awakens, uh, to, uh, spoilers for the MCU. If you don't want to hear those, you know, skip ahead five minutes or, or less, uh, compare Han Solo dying to, uh, Tony Stark, Iron Man dying mm-hmm. in Endgame. right? Yeah. Uh, Iron Man's death is hugely emotionally powerful because we have a relationship with that version of Iron Man. Uh, that actor of Iron Man, that story in in those uh, movie interpretations. But the character of Iron Man is going to 
You know, they're, they're, it's constantly being reinvented in comic books. Somebody else is going to put on that armor. But like, as of right now, that's Han Solo. That's the one yeah. and only Han Solo. And we could maybe, we can jump around in time and he can get another movie and we yeah. can have more storytelling with Han. But that's the end of his life. And there isn't going to be the, you know, soft reboot. And here's the next Han Solo. That's Han Solo, period. And that's how his story ends right now. Yeah. And it becomes becomes real final, right? <laughs> it does. Twenty fifteen moments, like okay, that's that. And it, yeah, to your point of um, the Iron Man death, something I just watched recently myself. Yeah, you're right. It, you, Tony Stark, RDJ, gone, gone, gone. But yeah, someone else can pick up the mantle, uh, and that's how it works. And yeah, so it does feel. Um, I don't know if if, if if finals the word I'll keep saying, and then and then come rise of Skywalker, it feels less final, but in a wonderful, beautiful, different way that I. I would not have imagined. So, yeah. 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 His memory can lives on, lives on. Yeah. And I, I like that they went out of their way to say, this is, you know, mm-hmm. an imagined conversation, a memory that Kylo is replaying and, and Ben is replaying and playing out differently because it keeps that finality um, mm-hmm. to, and, and because you have that finality, you have meaning, right? It kind of ties in, I think, to the idea of letting go of that Han yeah. made that choice and there are consequences and benefits from it ultimately. Um, so a lot of the returning characters have been bad guys. Do you like that Darksiders cling to life versus uh, Lightsiders accepting their natural death? And, you know, when we say dark and light side, I, I do mean force users, but also not because you have Boba Fett versus Han. Yeah. During yeah, yeah. Returning to life. So so do you do you like that it is more Darksiders clinging to life uh, than than our heroes? I like it a lot. And this is, this is to, to bring, bring it back to Palpatine for right now. This is why I personally really love that story and how it's used and how it makes sense to me. And it keeps in line with the Sith, their goals, uh, revenge of the Sith uh, itself, the, the every, you know, Palpatine, just like, come on, Anakin, let's work together. We could defeat death. That seems pretty cool. Right. Cause I don't want to die. And I'm playing with <laughs> And then makes uh, Luke's passing in, in eight something that I had to um, had to examine what I felt about. Uh, I, I didn't leave the, the first viewing immediately going, I love that. I was actually when when he survives, there's kind of, you know, a see around kid. I was like, oh, yeah, they're going to keep him. Oh, no, he's not. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. He's gone. And I've come to love it. I love Luke's passing because it represents what you just talked about. Palpatine represents the other side of it. And it just works on that thematic level. It just works for me like that. Same with Maul and his, his eventual passing is such a beautiful moment. He spent his whole life felt being rejected by the Jedi, hating the Jedi, killing and trying to kill the Jedi and nothing worked. And he finally dies in the arms of a Jedi uh, who, who showing him the compassion and, and perhaps the love that he's been looking for his entire life. That's beautiful stuff that comes out of the theme that you just put out there. And that's why I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Totally agree. I, I like the idea of even in uh, being able to uh, exist in any way to kind of go on to a next level of existence, the way we see uh, force users do like your light side users rather of, of uh, Qui-Gon, you know, finding the path and Obi-Wan and Yoda training uh, exactly what the story is of uh, if they helped Anakin to that next level or Anakin mm-hmm. had 
was destined for that because of his own actions uh, and, you know, redemption and selflessness and all those things. And uh, continuing with Luke and, and Leia and Ben, all that. Uh, I love that it is this idea of if you are selfless and helping others in your final moment and if you uh, want to retain your existence in order to be there for other people when they need you, uh, that you can kind of step on to the next adventure uh, as a force user. I love that. I I definitely had that just sort of selfish, like, but I want more Luke Skywalker because Luke Skywalker, when I was watching Last Jedi, but I was like, but as I was watching, I was like, I am sad, but this is right. And he had such a wonderful triumph of of uh, pacifism and hope and, uh, and uh, creating the opportunity for others to live to fight another day that I, you know, I thought it was great because it had that spirit of, you know, uh, looking into the horizon and going toward what was next. Uh, and I love that contrast between that and Sith being like, I don't want to let go of the existence I know. Cause that even gets to that idea of fear of like, yeah, I, I imagine even if you're a Jedi who has mastered this power to retain your identity within the cosmic force, that it's not just like, hey, thanks for the pamphlet, Qui-Gon, great. <laughs> yeah. That there's that it's still an immense challenge and that there's still immense fear in it of what is it, what is that version of existence gonna look like, feel like, be like, uh, versus the Sith who are like the, the Sith are like people who just like will never uh move out of the first house they were born in to have any other adventures, right? They're like, I know what this house is. I know where my <laughs> I know where I keep all of my stuff. You know, it, it's so it's so based in fear of yeah. and clinging. And, and I love that that is the story uh, for Palpatine and Maul about them resisting death uh, because they are clinging. Yeah. And I love, I love that use of fear. And it, it is the fear Yoda's talking about that attachment, all those kind of things. And it's not the, I keep, I keep saying it cause I just see it. I see it in real world conversations right now about, Oh, you, you, were you afraid? And it's like this, 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 definition of fear it's it's not that's not what yoda meant anakin would have at nine would have gone into a, a a cave with a with a shovel and faced enemies he had he was brave from that regard he just this is the kind of fear so so it just all ties back into those big themes and and, and to use those characters and they're coming back their returns to to carry out that theme even more it just hits me yeah yeah and i think even light side characters who uh, are or heroes who are not you know they're not force sensitive. They're not going to train to become uh, one with the force uh, like Han. You know, Han is so aware that he is taking a risk when he walks out uh, onto a rail to force an, uh, an angry Darksider who is his son. But there is that that's the that's part of what makes it so powerful of I know this is a risk risk, but I but it is worth it. Me trying to connect with my son is worth uh, putting myself in this place of great vulnerability and even that has a spirit of letting go of, I know I'm taking this risk. I'm holding myself wide open, totally vulnerable. And, and that's a part of the power of, of Hans passing. Yeah. And I, I love that you say, cause it's, we, we out here in the real world, believe it or not, we're not Jedis and we're not even sick. Uh, we're not, uh, that's not real. Um, Hans more real <laughs> in the real world to, uh, than, than the others. And so that's where those themes go into. I love that you cite that as an example. 
Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, so uh, let's talk about uh, some of the major returns. We've talked about them a little bit, but I want to just dive in specifically. So first, uh, we got Boba Fett. Uh, right now, Boba Fett is both the oldest and newest Star Wars character to return <laughs> from the dead uh, because, of course, he uh, blasted out of the Sarlacc in the old Legends canon as some of the few Legends books I read as the, uh, I believe, the Bounty Hunter Wars trilogy that... Uh, had some of those, uh, Boba Fett just, he, he gets back into the game right away. Um, and then of course he has now returned in the Mandalorian. Uh, and I think, uh, his return, I think did have to do with real world factors of, um, everybody thought who grew up with him thought Boba Fett was real cool. And then he, he goes out with a joke, uh, of the, the burp of the Sarlacc. Uh, and you know, Lucas has himself said he didn't realize quite how popular he was. Uh, so that I think there are a lot of interesting factors in, in why Boba Fett ha- came back both times. Do you like his return, new and old? Or is Boba Fett one of the, uh, he should have stayed in the Sarlacc for you? Do you struggle with it? Where are you at? I I think for a long time it was, you know, I, I was aware of the stuff. And I, I will confess, I haven't, haven't read any of the EU stuff uh, that had him uh, coming back. That reeked a little bit of uh, he just couldn't let go of that cool costume as a fan as a fandom. So we invented ways for him to come back, and and that does not mean the stories didn't have value or, or any merit. Again, I don't know. I didn't read them, but I the reason I didn't read them is I just would pass it in a book sh- bookstore and be like, Boba Fett's dead to me. <laughs> uh, end of story. Were he you died. ever in the camp of upset that he went out uh, in the manner he did? It was a great joke. It's a playground joke. Yeah, he he did. I didn't certainly was too young to question if I, you know, again, I was seven when I saw Return of the Jedi. So if I had been, you know, even nine, ten and had anticipation, which I know you have talked about, uh, we're, we're closer in age. But uh, you, you were just a little bit more, uh, you know, conscious awareness, yeah. <laughs> awareness where you knew Boba Fett was his character. I didn't have that. So to me, it was just like, <laughs> sorry, like it burped. Um, <laughs> and so I just started from there as I got older. Yeah. You know, and, and, and I think that contributes to me just, I, I didn't, uh, didn't have a strong opinion about Boba Fett and didn't have a strong opinion about him fighting out of there uh, and being alive. It felt like a correction to me. Um, again, right or wrong, my opinion, I'm not, not saying anything bad about those who've carried the Boba Fett, Boba Fett flame for years, but where he is right now, uh, I do like it. I do like it. I, I do like that episode. I do like the idea of him returning. I do think you can deal with it in a realistic for a fantasy way, uh, not quite coming back from death, but staying alive. I think you can deal with it and, and it can have, um, have important uh, merit to it. And, and we'll, I, I, I'm looking, whether it's in a one-off miniseries spinoff or whatever it is, I'm looking forward to exploring Boba Fett now in Star Wars can with that yeah. cool uh, robe under the uh, outfit. The robe under the armor, Boba Fett. That's the one you like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> he's ready to kick ass or relax uh, when he's got the uh, robe under the armor. Um, yeah, I think I like both of his returns, but I think they come from really different places. I was, like you said, you know, old enough to, you know, think Boba Fett was uh, the coolest and, and really invest in the Boba Fett that lived in in our cultural imagination of this mysterious uh, best bounty hunter in the world. So amazing. What are we going to see in Return of the Jedi? And then, yeah, the the uh, Boba Fett, Boba Fett, where there's a little bit like Han didn't even mean to take him out. Uh, then the mm-hmm. the Sarlacc burp. Um, I, I have kind of in, in my own headcanon. I like now ever since Attack the Clones, I like the idea that Boba Fett is 
distracted because he doesn't get many opportunities to try to take down a Jedi. And that's what he lives for. Right. And that he's, he's not paying any attention and his death is about hubris, not comedy. I didn't have that uh, when, you know, back in the eighties. So I, when he came back in the expanded universe, I think it really was the, uh, the this great dance between creator and audience where, uh, Lucas was letting people kind of, it sounds like for the most part, write what they write, want to write and I'll change it if I want to when I make more movies. Yeah. And there was this this movement of like, this this version of Boba Fett, this absolutely uh, fearless, best bounty hunter ever exists in our imagination. You kind of put him there, George, and we want to run with him. We want to blast him out of the Sarlacc and run with, you know, what what we thought you were saying kind of thing. Uh, and I think there's there's something fascinating about that. But I love the, this new return of Boba Fett. I love even more because to me, it is ultimately about it, just so much about unfinished story. Um, mm -hmm. We we know the Boba Fett that was in the original trilogy, Man of Mystery, uh, Sarlacc Burp. But then we learn who the kid is and that he's a, a clone and that he loses his father at a young age. And then we get more story with him in the Clone Wars animated series of he's really being raised in a... Uh, brutal environment and to not have a, a ton of honor but to seek revenge and just be a, a survivor and only out for himself uh and for me it, it felt like i really wanted to see these two sides of the character kind of married uh mm -hmm. and i thought that that his story wasn't finished because there's all these dangling interesting things about being a clone and a bounty hunter and a mandalorian how does he define himself you know how does he feel about uh dying in a because he is not uh you know paying enough attention uh basically you know if they ever go with that in the thing that is my head canon and make it a actual bit of the story of he died from being obsessed with you know secondhand vengeance of that guy's got a lightsaber i can't get vengeance on the guy who killed my dad but i can kill that guy uh so for me it's just all this great potential in his story and i'm really excited uh to have that uh that story continued to be told. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and that's an example of, uh, I guess, case by case of letting the story be told. And, and uh, 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 yeah, again, I don't want to keep tossing back to, to legends, but cause I just don't know. I just don't know, but it just, you, you launch them out of there and, it, you know, just seem, seem like more of the same and becomes kind of this anti-hero. And I, I think he's a, He's a troubled guy, but he's a bad guy. And we got to see where that goes. Going to see what the death, to, uh, quote unquote, death did to him. And I think that the way they've got it now, I, I've been excited for it since Aftermath. Since Wendig put the Cobb Vance stuff out there in those interludes. And it's like, well, uh, uh, looks like we're touching on some Boba Fett stuff. I've been excited to get that answer. And I, I, liked, I like what I'm getting so far. Yeah, yeah. And I think there I think this is the thing is that sometimes by doing more storytelling, you retroactively make older storytelling interesting. So yeah. even though in, you know, 83, it came off, you know, a little bit of a uh, joke, the way Boba Fett went out. But now it's got this mythic potential that, you know, th there's so much in in the, the monomyth and lots of myths about going down to the belly of the beast. And he went down into some sort of hell and he reemerged and as he changed from this subterranean hell experience that he went through in the belly of the beast. And I, I love that that's a little bit of a mystery right now. Like we see some physical scars, but, you know, I think it's juicy, interesting questions of why hasn't he gone after the armor to now? Was he always a little honorable or is he more honorable now? Does he have more or less rage? 
does he have a, any different view because he went through this mythic uh you know analogy for transformation mm. yeah i yeah i almost i have to stop myself because i you and i've discussed been discussing this so much going into mandalorian season two that uh, now i'm going to start creating some real strong expectations for myself <laughs> yes yeah. or it could just be that he's got cool armor and a robe and he's going to kick some butt and uh and yeah. say some uh, uh pithy things about yep. maybe or maybe not being a Mandalorian, depending on your definition and the definitions inside the world of Star Wars. So let's move on to Maul. We talked about this uh, already a little bit. Of course, Maul cut in half, thrown down a shaft. Uh, Lucas has, has uh, said that he wanted to make it really clear he wouldn't come back. And then Lucas brought him back, uh, which is one of the kind of reasons that I always have a grain of salt about the conversations of like, that they change something. Like, uh-huh, it's a... It happens in Star Wars. Uh, for you, is the character development we got worth the uh, means of his survival and, and resurrection? Because you talked about it a little bit of, uh, you know, how much do you struggle with the the question of how he came back? Does it make sense or is it too weird? And is what we got with him story-wise worth the like, but wait, he was cut in half. Come on. Yeah, yeah, it's it, no surprise. It's worth it. It's worth it where they they took it, and 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 I will give the the kudos to Filoni and team for for going. Look, hey guys, uh, the boss just gave us a an interesting task. Guess what? Maul's alive. Uh, somehow Maul came back. I, I think that's a challenge. That was a challenge to them as creators, and and they and they and it worked. As far as you know, how they. They, where, where it ends up, I love it. Where it starts off, Spider Leg Mall and the science of it. Yeah, it's you know it was it was hard for me in the beginning, but again, this is it's so funny when it's like you're wondering about all right, does Darth, how does Darth Maul pee? Come on, <laughs> what's going on here? When it's also a series where little green uh, uh, characters are moving rocks with their minds, <laughs> you know? Yeah. You, you pick your battles, I guess. And sometimes you want to, you want to fight. And, and I think I wanted to fight Maul early on, but it wasn't, it wasn't until you get to, uh, you know, follow the story a little bit more in Clone Wars where I forgot. And, and I, the design changed. It was hard to forget it when he was spider Maul, but the design changed to the point where even when he shows up in solo and it's like his legs, it's like, I had to like, Oh, that's right. He, he has, yeah, he has metal legs. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Just, I just, I know I'm there for the stories. Yeah, yeah, he's got the the not just spider legs. He's got a spider body uh, on yeah. his lower half, right? Because it's yeah. not just the legs. He's got like a big, you know, I it's all machinery, but I it looks like he could uh, fire some <laughs> uh, Sith webbing <laughs> out of there. Oh, uh, he he's chasing Frodo. He's it's a it was spider mall. <laughs> he is chasing Frodo. That might be your best Lord of the Rings reference uh, in your many. <laughs> Lord of the Rings references. Yeah, and then he, he gets the, the bigger, clunkier legs, and then he finally does get the smooth down. Look, mm -hmm. we all know they're mechanical, but we don't need to focus on it all the time legs. Uh, <laughs> so he, he goes through quite a lot. Yeah, mm -hmm. I was really fascinated. I did some rewatching to remind myself of not the Wikipedia version of how he came back, which is quite accurate, but the what is actually shown, what is actually said in the Clone Wars. Um and there's a there's a real light touch, you know, uh, of what is actually being explained on screen. We can infer things or different little bits of storytelling can pop up in books and comics and kind of fill out that detail uh, like they do. But on screen, it's a real light touch. The whole first episode where uh, Savajo Press finds him, he's he's on a junk planet and you can infer yourself how he got there. 
Uh, and he's uh, got a spider body. It is not said clearly in the episode who built that, if Maul did. Again, you know, there's later canon stuff. But when you're just watching those episodes back in, I believe, 2012, it's just the upper half of Maul is here. And then it isn't until the next episode where uh, Savage takes him to back to Dathomir and Mother Talzin uh, does some force magic to restore his body and his mind uh, from the trauma. And then the actual line he says to Savage is, my hatred kept my spirit intact, even though my body was not. Mm. So Mm. it's a real light touch. It's a real fantasy touch. And it is really choosing, you know, romance over realism. We did a whole episode on, you know, how Star Wars has that push and pull of it starts in, in being this very mythic thing. That where you don't wonder where the bathroom is on the, the Millennium Falcon because it's all these mythic archetypes. You know, he's a roguish smuggler. You know, we're not asking about where the bathroom is. Uh, yeah. But as the Star Wars story uh, goes on, you do. And th- it, it, as you get into more details, and this is really interesting that they cho- chose to bring Maul back, a character who was killed on screen to look real dead. And then they, when they brought him back, they did it in a very light touch that emphasized the mythic and the romantic. So it it Mm -hmm. emphasized storytelling where like his hatred was so powerful that it it left him insane, uh, but alive despite the fact that his, his body was utterly shattered uh, and really chooses to focus on that rather than, you know, how does he pee? (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah, no, he's crazy. Yeah. He's, he's, he's crazy for lack of a better term when they find him, right. He's, he's uh, dealing with a lot of trauma. Uh, so beyond just a uh, simple, uh, losing his mind, he's dealing with a lot. And, and I, I'd rather that works for me more than like, hello. So let me tell you about the last 15 years, you know, <laughs> like or 12 yeah, years. Yeah. Uh, and I think, I think for myself when I was rewatching that, I was just like, oh yeah. And his return was teased a season earlier. It, so it, I'm sure, you know, for, for people who were watching the Clone Wars as it, as it's uh, spun out, there was that they had to live with the how for a long time. And then it's not even until the second episode of his actual discovery that he gives you this very fantasy answer of yeah. how he came back. So I think I was just, I was uh, comparing Maul's return to Palpatine's, honestly, of it mm-hmm. is, yeah, there's some science to it and you can dig into it if you want. Uh, but it is much more about the, the unnatural power of hatred and the dark side and clinging is more what the story is about that. I refuse to let go is far more what the story is about. And it's similar to Palpatine, but yeah. you know, in a very different way. And I feel like people are more okay with the, wow, Maul really came back from the dead more than they are with Palpatine. At least some people. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, and I, yeah, we could analyze why in another show. <laughs> oh, or, or we could talk a little bit about it now uh, because I want to talk about Palpatine. Uh, do you feel like Palpatine's return served the story ultimately? Yes, yes. Uh, undeniably, yes, and, and, and served the story of all nine films to me. Uh, as I, I say a lot, uh, I think episode nine is in communication. It talks with the other movies. Uh, and, and it keeps the emotional canon the thematic connections all those kind of things uh, even if even if it doesn't answer things directly uh, i i do do believe that in my heart so i love the movie uh, rise of skywalker has become 
Force Awakens is Force Awakens is this, you know fun soft reboot adventure sets the tone. Uh, uh, Last Jedi has become this philosophical movie where I watch and go, what what does it mean to be a hero, a legend, and how do you? Find it? I love the Rise of Skywalker is is a hymn and it's a spiritual movie to me. That's why I love it. And Palpatine represents part of of your options as a as a uh, you know, spirit in the world <laughs> to making choices. Um, so it, it worked in a way that I didn't, uh, when it was first rumored, uh, when it was talked about, there was, I was excited cause I love Palpatine, love Ian McDiarmid, right? Like sign me up on that level. It works for me, I guess. Uh, but I had some like, man, I hope he just doesn't pop out. And I, you and I have talked about, I don't have a problem with clone troopers, but I have a problem with clones. Again, it's not fair to Star Wars, the standards I hold it to. It really isn't because uh, it chooses. It's, it's a moving target with me. Um, and I was like, I think he even said on some shows, I hope he just doesn't pop out and say I'm back. And essentially pops out and says I'm back. Uh, but it ends up working for me because it was a, the same but different Palpatine. It represented this just great big going into Mordor, going into the belly of the beast for Ray and that story. And it just, it works on the, I connect it on that. And what we already talked about, like he is look at Luke's passing, look at Leia's and how they played that. And look at his, if you have two choices in life, there's one that's probably better than the other. Can you make it? And that's what it represents to me yeah. among many other things connected to Ray's journey and all that stuff. Yeah, I think uh, the the conversation that we're having on this podcast, which I really enjoy, is a conversation we can have about any element of Star Wars, but it's really easy to see in these conversations of people coming back from the dead is there's the how, and we can really be invested in how did they come back? Do we believe it? Are we distracted by it? And then there's the why. And I think you're making some really compelling arguments about why. Uh, Palpatine came back and you know as we always try to do we we recognize that uh, the question of should Palpatine have come back is one that people have really strong opinions on and we respect people having uh, different opinions uh, for me it does work because he is the embodiment of evil in this part of the Star Wars story in the in the Skywalker saga of I don't believe he was I don't believe Sheev Palpatine was born evil I believe something happened to him and just like every other dark sider we've ever met, he could have made a different choice at some point, but he is never going to let go of his fear. He's never going to let go of his anger. He's never going to let go of his uh, lust for power, for unlimited power. And that's he represents somebody who is never going to make that better choice, despite all the bad things he's always he's already done. Uh, and I think it was it's meaningful to, to bring him back. You said that in such a great way of if this is a, a summation of the Star Wars story, uh, you need the powerful light and the powerful dark. And I think the, the story of Rise of Skywalker could have been told without him, but he has a weight to him and his history and his power have a, a weight. So it's not just about this clinging to life and this need to cling to power. It is that idea that look the the dark side is always there and because of the nature of the dark side it will always try to consume and take and control all and he is a great symbol of that and his actual plan is a literal symbol of that of i'm crunched down uh, uh under the earth but i am going to literally send these symbols of the dark side this sith fleet out to control everything 
And then, you know, our heroes, Ray and all everyone from the resistance and everyone from the galaxy, you know, stand up and say, you know, no, we're, we're literally going to shield the rest of the galaxy from what the dark side symbolizes as reaching out and taking everything. So I think he works so well as a symbol of what the dark side is and the analogy of the dark side. And then, you know, I know this one's really uh, complicated for people, but I like the story that uh, Ray is looking for her, uh, figuring out who she is. And there's this threat that if she's attached to this person, then this person is, uh, this evil allegedly defines her. And it makes it all the more triumphant that she says no, in that everybody in the movie who is um, fighting her really is is trying to get her to... Uh, to believe that his evil defines her and uh, her rejection of that is, is powerful to me in that he is known in star Wars as the sort of ultimate evil. So for her to go, uh, what's my place in the story? Oh, I don't have my uh, place in the story. So, Oh, I get to choose who I be. Oh, now a lot of people are telling me I am, I am the worst. I have the worst part in the story. No, I say no to that. I reject that. It's all, it's powerful because of uh, the weight of Palpatine. Yeah, I think you you said it early on, and 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 it's something that's left not left my brain of of just um, and left an impression on me is, is the idea that he's he's not just saying hi grandchild come sit on the throne with me um, want to form a I got an LLC escort want to escort we'll just we'll, we'll just rule things he wants to possess her he's his uh, masculine uh, energy that's trying to dominate and take her and and just and become her right and 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 her choice to fight against that and choose nothing i still i still say she chooses nowhere at that point and then later on um, um makes a different choice about her name but so yeah again we we are always aware this is there's much to discuss on this and there's probably different viewpoints and and, and you said it yourself could you have told this story without palpatine yeah yeah you absolutely could because that's how storytelling works you can make different <laughs> choices and then you wouldn't feel the loss and and there's different ways to approach it but i think what was presented um moved me and, and and spoke to me on, on different levels. Like I, I mentioned stuff that doesn't even have to do with the Ray character. Then you get to the Ray character and what it means to her. And I really love it as well. Yeah. So, and, that, and, and again, was a surprise to me um, based on early, early speculation for myself. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I, I want to talk about that a little bit because, you know, you and I shared our whys. Again, caveat to uh, people who have strong uh, opinions that might disagree with us. Totally understandable. Um, but we, you and I are kind of in sync of of what it, of the why of what he symbolizes and how he heightens the challenges to Ray and all the heroes of the galaxy. But then there's the how. I remember I was so excited that one of my favorite moments as a Star Wars fan ever will be being in that arena and you know hearing the laugh and then the lights come up and Ian McDermott is there and you know roll it again uh, will always be uh, I think uh, one of our favorite Star Wars lines even if not, though it's not from a Star Wars movie. And then I had such a great time that weekend of having great conversations with people going like, ah, I, I, I'll be okay with it depending on how he returns. And, you know, I really got it in my head that it is going to, it's going to be a haunting. It's going to be Ray and Kylo sent some power and it's a race to get it. And he's haunting some bit of the Death Star and they accidentally unleash him. So I was, I was shocked when it was the dead speak. Screw it. He's back. Let's go. Mm hmm. <laughs> Uh, and the how of it, I think, has become, in some ways, a larger conversation than the why. Um, so do you think that people would have accepted Palpatine even more 
if his return was told in a different way or, or you know, the story that has evolved in the books in the Rise of Skywalker novelization, if that had been shown on screen, do you think people would have accepted it more if they felt better about the how? I, I do. I do. Just basing that on, on off-air conversations I've had with friends who don't have Star Wars podcasts or, or pop culture <laughs> shows. I've had those. You have those. Everyone listening has those. People who are Star Wars fans or just haven't read everything uh, that exists. I, I'm, I believe in my heart that Terrio and Abrams, once this was decided, you've seen pictures or even videos of Terrio. And yes, you know, he's not a perfect screenwriter either here in this situation. I get it. We, we, we want to toss those caveats in there. But I really love what he did with this movie. And you see on his desk is Empire's End and Life Dead and Aftermath. And, and, and to me, I really feel that trace paper was laid down on many parts of the Star Wars story, and you could see where it's put together. Going back to Revenge of the Sith, where Palpatine, watch that film. He's saying, cheat death, cheating death. I'm working towards that. That's one of my big goals. So the fact that uh, you could play with that, and then you get the contingency plan, all those kind of things. But what have I just said? Books, comics, and not everyone has the chance to do it. So I've had that conversation, Joseph, where someone was like, just point blank told me, a friend of mine who works in the industry, it's just such... It's bad storytelling to give that answer off screen. And I, I started, but and I can't change that. There's no way I can change his opinion because he, he is not going to read those books. So if there was one or two parts, does Beaumont can go, all right, here. So remember when he had the contingency plan? Uh, remember that thing? Uh, remember Operation Cinder? It, it all comes out of what it, I think it's bad storytelling, bad writing. It's, 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 you know, you need Rick Ollier, I guess. <laughs> he should have come back. <laughs> He should have come back to life. I mean, like, oh, <laughs> he's a clone, but not really a clone. His spirit was transferred into a body where they struggled to, the Sith Eternal struggled on their promises to bring him back for 30 years. His That's body rotted and he couldn't, they body couldn't make rotted. a clone good enough to keep him. Yeah. So yes, because I feel going back to your, your Poe line in this era discussion, you know, I, uh, this week on the news show discussed some of the, the negative aspects of kind of fandom right now and how it can, can kind of exhaust us and wear you down trying to just not, not to take it directly to that. But I think it's easy to sometimes boil down film criticism, not from actual Leonard Malton film critics, but like the, 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 the Twitter critics uh, who just could point to one thing, like you said up top, Joseph, where this conversation began of see, they didn't even know. And right. like, they did. They did. You just, it's just, you just, you got to take that leap. How did, if you're in the theater in 77, were you like, how did Kenobi come back? He's a voice now. No, <laughs> you went, Oh, I got it. It's this mysterious thing. And, and I think the wonder and whimsy is sometimes put aside for the sake of pointing at something and going wrong. Right. Yeah. Cause Kenobi just, you know, you know that he's a magical wizard. He uh, taunted Vader that he would be more powerful uh, if Vader struck him down. He disappears. We know from Punta Baba's arm, that's not the way it's supposed to work when a lightsaber hits you. And then he's whispering to Luke and, and we go along with the magic. And yeah, and maybe you do get a benefit of that's the introduction to the world. Yeah. I, I'm fascinated with this because, you know, the more I watch Rise of Skywalker, it works for me because we know we can see with our eyes he's in a creepy weird lab so you know there's some creepy weird uh frankenstein science in it you know that there is some element of dark side magic of unnaturally clinging to life because that line is already there in revenge of the sith and and even if it's not 
he says it again to remind you. And then we, we, we get Beaumont Ken uh, coming in with the cleanup and saying, you know, cloning uh, dark science uh, secrets only the Sith knew. Um, so you could infer everything that's been laid out in the book. So it works just fine for me. It keeps the, the story moving. It keeps the focus on, uh, on Kylo and keeps the story in the now of what does Palpatine's return mean to Kylo? What does, what does his return mean to our heroes in the resistance who are desperately trying to get by later in the film? We'll, you know, learn the depth of what it means to Ray. So it's that choice to keep that focus on. So it works for me, but then I also have that, like, yeah, clearly a ton of people were distracted by it. Uh, mm-hmm. And so it took them out of the, the movie. And I, that for me, like, I think all films are subjective, but I think, you know, uh, in uh, working in, in the industry and I have writer friends that we exchange our scripts with, you know, like some, sometimes people don't care. They want to make a, a mysterious movie. But one of the things that a lot of writers discuss is like, well, what takes you out of the story? Yeah. And clearly for a lot of people, this took them out of the story. Um, so yeah, I can, I can see, you know, a story where a version of the story where Kylo is like, how is this possible? And, you know, Palpatine has a incredibly short monologue and we flash to like, you know, the, the dark side is a, is a pathway to many abilities, you know, like, you know, my body died, but my, you know, soul was transferred here, you know, to where my uh, loyal servants had long prepared and, but no body can contain me. And you just see a body explode, you know, Mm -hmm. clone after clone, but eventually I will, uh, live on, you know, in, you know, I, I, in fact, I can live on through you. So like, I think there's a way that it could have been done. I can see it. I can imagine it. Um, but for me, ultimately you just would have been getting details mm-hmm. and it wouldn't have changed the fundamental spirit of it. It would have just given you details, but maybe that would have helped a lot of people because then they wouldn't have been distracted by the how. Yeah. And look, I also say this, I think if, if you are, because some, because some people again, it doesn't work on. Uh, they don't listen to podcasts, YouTube channels, any of that stuff. They go into the theater and they see what it is, and that's a different experience than you or I can. Can I can't watch Rise of Skywalker without the knowledge I have, and, and vice versa, right? Um, but I, I also think some of it be when I say it gets boiled down. If you've been listening, listening, listening to to people say, "There's no plan. There's no plan for these movies. There's no plan for these movies," and this is something that was added later. It was. That's a fact. But you see and you hear posts say that. You're going to point at the screen and go, aha, see, everything was right. And, and, and then, and then your, your, your view of it is, is, is through those, that lens. It just, it just, to me, that's part of the problem. Yeah. I think that is for me, that's part of the reason I wanted to call this uh, episode somehow blank has returned uh, mm-hmm. to just kind of discuss that. I think it was fascinating to me to rewatch those immediate, just, just the screen of Maul returning and feeling like it was just as ambiguous for the real mechanics of, but how, how did you go from cut in half on a different planet to this planet and you built a spider body, a full spider body, not just legs that happen to look like a spider. Somebody made a design choice and you're a spider now it is just as WTF weird fantasy as uh, Palpatine's uh, presentation. Um, but, you know, maybe it's about Clone Wars is on the small screen. Uh, maybe it's about, you know, the Rise of Skywalker being on the big screen, or maybe as you're saying, it is just about this line. Somehow blank has returned really, really pointing to the ambiguity and making people feel like that line does make sense from Poe. Poe would be like, how does that work? You know? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. 
and Beaumont Ken tries to come in with the guy who would have the actual knowledge. And uh, but it is fascinating that that line that pointed out the ambiguity seemed to make it much worse for some people. Yeah, and then that uh, that is something uh, that uh, will always be there. <laughs> It will always be there. And at this point, I'm just choosing to celebrate it because, you know, the same way I grew up thinking it was that I both liked the revelation that Luke and Leia were siblings, but it was still weird that they kissed. And that was just fine to hold both those things. I'm yeah. going to love the Rise of Skywalker and go, yep, somehow Palpatine has returned. Is Yep, it, there's there's definitely some comedy to be had with that. Uh, look, man, I know we're about to take a break. This is this is different. This is different. But I, I was also watching Return of the Jedi this week as well. Uh, had that on in the background, and then uh, Obi Wan and, and Luke talking. Right, Force Ghost Obi Wan sits on a log and explains. Uh, oh yeah, I lied to you. I'm thinking, <laughs> man, the podcast world would have exploded in '83, right? Which, which that's you know, many jokes have been made about that or that kind of thing. I get it, but watching it again in 2020 this weekend, I was like, yeah, Obi Wan's just like. Ah, oh, no, 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 no. I, I like you. I like you. Here's the truth. <laughs> like, <laughs> right? Yeah. Pretty, vague, pretty ambiguous. Absolutely. Oh, that other, yeah, it's your sister. I, I really should have popped in and let you know in some of those moments. Anyway, we are going to take a quick break and we're going to be back to talk both seriously and have some fun about characters uh, possibly returning somehow in the future. We'll be right back. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve 
today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hey, Force Center friends, make sure you're keeping up to date on all the great content from Jennifer Landa. Whether it's YouTube, Instagram, or TikTok, you whippersnappers, Force Center's own Jennifer Landa continues to bring you fun, informative, and insightful laughs and moments. Also, Jennifer brings her experience and perspective as a Star Wars-loving mother to her DIY projects, blogs, and more. So be sure to head on over to JennyLanda.com. That's J-E-N-I-L-A-N-D-A.com for articles like how to make your own Darth Maul sneakers or 10 unique Star Wars baby gift ideas. Follow Jen on Twitter and Instagram at Jennifer Landa and on TikTok as Jennifer Landa 1138 Hey, Force Center fans, don't forget, Force Center is on YouTube. Head over there to catch up with our new show, Star Wars Show and Tell. Joseph, Jennifer, Ken, and special guests sit down and share favorite items from their own Star Wars memorabilia collections. Plus, there's the In Memoriam video series, encore presentations of Databank Brawl, and special programming all there for you, and more shows on the way. It's Force Center on YouTube. Check it out. Somehow, Blank has returned. Uh, we want to talk about some of the light side characters. Um, like I said at the top, Ahsoka has not uh, you know, died and come back to life. But Ahsoka has escaped the concept of death. Uh, Order 66 hanging over her uh, throughout the Clone Wars. In the Rebels show, uh, her, her fate in her duel with Vader at, in the temple on Malachor was ambiguous for uh, quite a while. Uh, and then she did manage, of course, uh, to survive in her story continues marching forward with her great appearance in Mandalorian. How do you feel about, again, I'm not saying Ahsoka has <laughs> died or even appeared to fully die, but she's had that threat hanging over her and continues to survive. How do you feel about that, Ken? Do you like Ahsoka? Always define the odds in surviving, and do you want to see her pass at some point? 
Oh yeah. Sometime at some point that clock's got to run out, right? Now, uh, well, yeah, actually I do. And I think you could probably tell a very powerful story with her passing at some point in time. I, I do like it uh, because I do love Ahsoka and you're so right. I watched and grew to really appreciate Ahsoka with thought that, well, she's going to die anyways, but oh, we'll see. And they didn't go that way. They went in a much different way and a much more powerful way. Uh, then we never, never thought we were going to get a chance to see her again, right? Just never. Then Rebels pops up. And, you know, I guess you could argue of like, oh, man, they're just bringing back characters that, uh, you know, I love new, exciting characters. But, hey, they're connecting to lore. Great. The the, the why behind her returning uh, to the story and, and everything about it works wonderfully and 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 now we're getting a chance to do it again so i i want her to i want her to keep going until the story till the story really does need to end for her until until it serves a great purpose we didn't think we'd have this opportunities dave filoni didn't think he'd have these opportunities <laughs> to tell the story of the character now he does so um yeah. i like him yeah I like him. I, yeah, I, I like that uh, there is a little bit of this this sort of dance of like, yeah, she's a an important character, but why isn't she, how does she survive uh, Order 66? Uh, why isn't she around during the original trilogy? And there is this, uh, this weaving that can maybe, uh, depending on your point of view, start to strain the story. But I think in her survival, it, she's become such an interesting character because of the way she has survived and continued and and what it starts to mean uh the clone wars answer that she walked away from the jedi order and and still had to to fight uh, to keep herself alive uh when she ended up being around clones anyway uh mm-hmm. but that she left her lightsabers and sort of renounced the jedi in in a or the image of the jedi uh in a couple different ways uh in order to to stay alive through that is is very interesting being tied to this weird mystical place of the world between worlds and, you know, exactly how long did she spend in this nether world and uh, exactly did she skip forward in time? Was she stranded on Malachor? All of that is uh, like very interesting Star Wars storytelling. So the actual storytelling of how she survived is interesting. But by the time she's still alive in the era of the Mandalorian, you know, several years after Return of the Jedi, uh, by now she's accumulated all of this not only her own, you know, great character, but she's she's this she's now this holder of knowledge of different mm-hmm. eras and of of the Jedi at their height and what was the strength of that and what were their uh, flaws and you know how does she feel about being very close to huge galactic events but not always right at the center of them and has that been a better path for her to be somebody who wants to embrace the spirit of the Jedi and help the people that she meets. Um, we haven't got a ton of storytelling about her years of work as Fulcrum. And mm-hmm. that would be, I would love some more storytelling about that because that kind of adds to her, her legend of survival of, uh, you know, Yoda, uh, Yoda feel, felt he failed and, and needed to go and consider his mistakes. Obi-Wan had a real active mission of uh, protect Luke and if Ahsoka is like, well, I, I'm a Jedi in spirit, um, but I'm not following the old ways. Um, I'm going to a- actively build this resistance. But, you know, I'm not going out there lightsaber swinging all the time. It's more about information and connection and, you know, rescuing a few people at a time so I don't get noticed. And, and mm-hmm. you know, there, there's so many interesting ideas in her survival. So it doesn't just feel like she is surviving because we like her and she's cool. 
but that each chapter of her life gives a little bit more meaning to the the eras of Star Wars. Yeah, it, there's nothing wasted about uh, the story. Every, every time she's used and and used so well in Mandalorian, and again, we'll see what goes. Even even in having that uh, having that character pass, I'm sure it will be done with great power and purpose if 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 we get that chance to see it. Yeah, and that's I think that's a really interesting thing to me. Of so, so she sort of has a zigged and zagged around the prequels, and she's zigged and zagged around the original yeah. trilogy. And if we get to keep telling stories with her, eventually she'll run into the sequel trilogy. <laughs> And uh, yeah, I think that there is a fascinating thing of this character who seemed to debut in 2008 with doom hanging over her has survived. I do want to see her passing because in, like we said, in Star Wars, a character's passing does not mean we're done telling stories about them. But I would like to see that, you know, she's such the spirit of the Jedi. And I feel like uh, letting go is a part of that spirit at some point. I would like to see her, the story of how she lets go, how she ends her mm-hmm. journey. Mm. Uh, yep, yep, yep. Oh, gosh. That could be real real powerful how, how she decides to, it's okay to go. Yeah, man. I'm uh, I'm uh, almost uh, choking up thinking about what <laughs> that story is going to be, when it's going to be. But I think we got a lot of Ahsoka storytelling uh, before then. So one of the other reasons that it occurred to me to have this conversation is what has become the Great Mace conversation. Uh <laughs> In The Mandalorian, as we're watching, uh, Grogu reached out to the Force. Maybe a Jedi was listening. Uh, so many conversations everywhere about uh, who people want, you know, uh, if there's a Jedi around to hear it, who could it be? And a lot of people have emerged with uh, Mace. They want Mace to have survived uh, and, and possibly return. Mace, who, uh, just quick review in Revenge of the Sith, his arm was severed. He was blasted directly uh, in quite a lot with uh, unlimited Sith lightning and then thrown from a very tall building. Do you want him to return? (laughs) I mean, it's, it's really a popular idea now. It really is. uh, There's some great fan art about it. Uh, I love it. Um, I look, here's one thing I can't similar. I guess actually think about similar to the Palpatine thing. It's very hard for me to separate the idea of Sam Jackson being in Star Wars again from right. what I would want for the story or the deep kind of things. Like if it's a, you know, a series that's in another time, you know, Mace before the prequels or something like that, you can find a way to tell that story. Um, and, and Sam Jackson gets to play him. I'd be like, yes, sign me up. I, I want to see it. Um, in terms of his him coming back and if it is the Mando, uh, I, I'm not there with it. I consider him dead and think he died. And yes, we didn't see him hit the ground. And, and as someone who kept a entire off season of game of Thrones full of hope alive, that Stannis Baratheon uh, was still there because we didn't actually see the sword cut off his head. I can, I can go for that idea of we didn't see him die. So therefore he's not dead. I just mace to your point in the, in the first part of the show, Joseph, it just, uh, he dead. <laughs> <laughs> Which, he uh, dead. by the way, since we mentioned Game of Thrones, uh, anyway, that that's the, one of my biggest frustrations. I think we should have seen Stannis' head roll. It's just because you just you disrespect him, and I understand it. Just, <laughs> I understand it. You no, just I know. I know he's your guy. I like him as a character. I think he deserved it. Uh, uh-huh. I, I not to die. I mean, I, I no, do. No, think no, he, he, actually, I do think he did deserve. He, to die, he did but, deserve to die, but yeah. I think you know that yeah. moment where he kind of asked for it, right? Yeah, go on, do your duty. Um, yep. Yeah. yeah, that that uh, in a show as in a show that uh, 
doesn't often look away. It's always been weird to me. Like, why did we look away rather than have that definitive? Why did we leave? Why did they leave you with hope, Ken? Why did they, they, they do that go. to you? I, I want to know that answer. I think Stephen Delane was like, you're not going to show my head get cut off. I'm not going to sit in the chair and get my head put in a cast so you can roll it on the floor. No. Nope, nope, you think nope. that he had it in his writer to get like only the brown M&Ms and you can't yep. show my cutoff head. I do. Fair enough. All right. A little uh, just detour into your Game of Thrones podcast, Ken. Um, but yeah, I, I we talked about this recently. Uh, great question on our news and cues episode. I think that I, while I love the character of Mace Windu and would really like more storytelling with him at different points in the timeline, for me, his death, it has power because it symbolizes uh, the weight of the fall of the Jedi, the weight of the fall of the Republic. He was uh, so sure in, in his convictions and he tried so hard and he came so close to stopping the return of the Sith and he did not make it. I think is there's a power in that to me. Um, I also feel like if he had survived, and this is probably my biggest thing, is the character of Yoda dealing with it uh, by uh, going into hiding and thinking about what he did. Kenobi coping with it by by having this hopeful mission of guarding over Luke. Those things make sense to me. I think Mace, the second that he, you know, came to having been placed on a spider body himself <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he would have been straight line take down the sith i don't mm-hmm. think he would have reflected i mean i think he might have reflected on the failures of the jedi and yeah. himself but i think he would have said that's worthy of conversation we can have it after the sith are ended you know that's his character to me so i would unless he has in, been in you know and this i obviously works for fantasy unless he's been you know, frozen <laughs> and he is, you know, unfrozen Jedi master, uh, then he, he would have gone after the Sith in, in my head cannon. I'm just a unfrozen Jedi in your modern world. Yeah. Um, the thing, the thing, um, I often wanted to, if, if he falls to the floor in Coruscant and lands on a turnip truck or something, um, a manure truck and he's okay. Jogan fruit truck. Yeah. Jogan fruit truck. Um, he, might be kept alive by hate. <laughs> you know, <laughs> vengeance. I don't think he finds peace at the end of that fall <laughs> and, no. and enlightenment and, and letting go. I think if, if he's alive, it would be from a dark place and that, that leads to different. But again, you know, he shows up and, and, and Grogu goes, Mace. All right. Maybe that's Grogu's first word. I don't know. And maybe I, I, I just have to see where it goes. Yeah, I think I love what you're saying, because, again, you can uh, divide it into the how and the why, which I think, you know, we we really as fans intertwine those questions. I saw a debate going back and forth about how he could have survived and like how it, it, it's Star Wars. And he is, uh, you know, a yeah. force sensitive uh, person who, who I think does have more uh, options available to them. Could he have clung to life in a dubious dark side way because he wasn't done? Yeah. Could he have been grievously injured? But yes, his, his strength in the force kept him alive. How? No, I got no problem with figuring out how. Yeah. I, I think he, he had a real bad day that day. <laughs> so I think he'd be messed up. But how? Sure, it's fantasy. He's a force user. How? We can figure out. So I care about the why. If he did come back uh, in this Mandalorian era, you know, after the events of the original trilogy, what do you think is the value of his story? What what would his story be then that would make it worthwhile to you? 
Um, it would be if it isn't, he's gone to the dark side because it's vengeance and he wants, you know, wants that revenge. It would be, uh, if he has any reflection is if, if almost to what you said, you almost pitched the story. I want Justin. I represent so much of what went wrong with the Jedi. How can we correct it? And what can I do to be part of that? Mm. Mm. I, 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 I am the focal point. Whereas we always say Obi-Wan's the poster child for the, for the, for the Jedi in terms of uh goody, goody two shoes, except for he fell in love. Uh, if that's the case with Obi-Wan, Mace, if he, if he is that, that, that then, and how I am back and I don't want that to happen again, might be the story. And if, and if yeah. Rogu or uh, other little characters um, are, are part of that and he can help in that way, maybe that would be it, but also doesn't seem like Mace. Uh, yeah. Yeah, um, I, I think for me, him coming back in The Mandalorian would be interesting because of Fett having this life of wanting vengeance against this guy, and now suddenly here he is. So I could see some storytelling there, but I think for me, I like the story of Boba Fett, who it, it seems like a very good Star Wars story in a, in a parable about uh, vengeance, that he wants revenge against somebody who he can never get revenge against because they're dead. They died a long time ago fighting a different battle that had nothing to do with you. Uh, in a way, it, it makes Boba Fett's, you know, being a hunter who can never find the prey he actually wants uh, more compelling. Even though I can, I totally get it. it'd be super powerful for, you know, Tamora Morrison to look at <laughs> uh, badly damaged uh, old Mace Windu and say, finally. But I don't know, you know, what would that say? What, what, what would be the philosophy of that that's... Boba Fett held on to his vengeance for a long time and then he was rewarded. Yeah. yeah. He got a shot at, uh, at Mace Windu, you know? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah. A lot of strong opinions out there about that one as well and respect that. And I can agree with everyone that I would love in, in any form some more Mace Windu storytelling. Uh, mm -hmm. But for me, I think he is such a symbol of the strengths and the weaknesses of the Jedi Order of the prequels. I like him being the symbol of the order that fell. Uh, so, Ken, I wanted to ask you, and this is great because I don't know uh, what you're going to say at all. We both decided to pick a few characters that we would like to bring back uh, mm -hmm. to life. So I want you to start. Uh, who do you got? You want me just to list choices? And then we, it's like a draft here. Is this like a fantasy death mm. <laughs> draft? No, I want to. I want to enjoy these like a, okay. a multi-course meal. I want yeah. you to tell me <laughs> the first dish you got and why. Yeah, first one up. Well, no particular order, but I'll put it out here. Uh, Dryden Voss. Ooh. So how you know uh, that that was a great shot from Kira. She stabbed him right in the heart. Right. Um, good to go. Uh, I think he's pulled out uh, in in down and and tote rod. Some of the other folks who might still be around um, are a little loyal to him. Maybe decraniated, pulls him aside. He's like, "Well, if my head's gone. I'm still alive. We can bring this up." <laughs> So Dryden Boss comes back. He's, and, he could have more than one heart. Yeah. Yeah, that's true, too. We don't know. He's, he's a human-like character, right? Uh, so maybe when he gets angry, maybe that, that when he gets angry and those markings appear, maybe, you know, his heart moves one over and misses the spot. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Yeah, he's, alive. he's alive. And, and kind of the why of it is, is, um, is, is I'm trying to think why. That's a good question, Ken. Answer your own why. I just, if you're going to continue the story of, of Kira, uh, she makes this choice. She believes she has to serve someone. She, she removes him. 
to serve Maul. And um, maybe he's a, he's a bad angel on her shoulder, <laughs> um, competing with her, trying to help her. Um, but she needs to uh, destroy him and Maul completely. Yeah. Not Interesting. Is this sort, no, of, is it, sort of a weak why? I'll admit it's sort of a weak why. I just like the idea of Dryden Bosco. <laughs> uh, I, well, I, is this just because you, you really like the character and would like to see more of him? I've, I've grown to love Dryden Voss a lot more than even and so, as someone who enjoys Solo, enjoyed it on, on first viewing. Uh, Voss um, seemed okay to me. And I love Paul Bettany. I, I think there's a lot to it. I love I love everything about that world, the, the bar, the singing, everything about it. Um, I just think I think I think I at the time was like maybe some more storytelling would make him have some more oomph to me. But it's grown in time and I love Bettany's. You know, he's so, he's powerful and he's feared, but he comes from a, you want a snack? Have a snack. We're friends. I'll kill you. I'll kill you. But we're friends. Have a drink. Have a drink. I just like it. I like the way it's played. Um, yeah. It, it, like- it is a great Star Wars version of like, you just like offered me some sushi, but you made it sound like you're going to kill me. How did you do that? How did you do that? And look, Kira, Kira escapes him. And I, and I think the story is complete for Kira and Dryden. So I feel I don't want to undercut Kira's story if we were to get more, but you know, if he's, uh, if it's kind of almost not spiritual, he's alive, but it's spiritual. Like he's, he probably could get into her psyche and be like, oh, how could you do that? I saved you. You need help. It's small that she has to fight that. I don't know. could be something there. Yeah. Would you like it if the decranated were like, uh, we need to save him. And they actually just put his head in a jar <laughs> and he wasn't like a, you know, a devil or angel on her shoulder, but literally on the shelf. Yeah. Talking at yeah. her. That could be all right. She goes and consults. You know, he's just like a head, like, you know, I told you not to do that or do that. Somehow Dryden Voss's head has returned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like it. I like it. Uh, Do you want to do yours or do you want to trade off? How do you want to do this? You trade off and straight off. Straight off. Okay. You know what? Uh, Yeah, I'll I'll bump up uh, one of my characters who's also from Solo. Um, I would love for Val to have survived Mm -hmm. uh, the great uh, Conveyx train heist. and this is one that is so much in, in my headcanon and my desire that when I watch the movie, I'm like, it can work, right? Um, it would be, you know, fudging a little bit. But I really like the idea that she, you know, hit those explosives and she dropped and she had a jetpack or she, you know, she survived the fall. Uh, I would like it more if she was like had a jetpack and zipped away. Uh, I think it's partially because I just I think her story was really interesting and really compelling. I really like this idea that they presented in the movie that to her, the job is everything. Uh, mm-hmm. And it is, you know, more than love. It's more than loyalty. It's more than life itself. You commit to a job all the way. She's not going to be, uh, you know, taken out uh, by those uh, Viper droids. She's going to finish the job and, and keep up her end. That's really cool. But I feel like it, it, for me, it is, it, it, I love Solo and I, I think it's an incredibly well done movie. And this is one of the only things that I struggle with. I think it's a powerful and interesting story. If she was like, yes, I, I have to blow this. I have to separate myself. But you know what? I'm enough of a fighter and survivor. I will, I will, you know, not just blow up the bridge, but I will walk away from this. I will walk away from this, uh, this person, you know, Beckett that I appear to love because ultimately saving my own skin is, you know, the most important to me and make a really interesting figure to encounter again, uh, particularly if it was a solo or Lando, 
um, that she is a, a character who is really like the job is everything to me. Uh, the only thing that I elevate over the job is my life. And I think mm-hmm. that could be an interesting uh, take on the, the scoundrel characters in Star Wars. She'd be great for Han, a, a still young Han to run into, right? If and uh, see the ghost from his past, but also her kind of being able to speak on, you know, the, again the point of that that train sequence is, as as you know, but remix for those listening, just the it's the cost of the life Han's about to in, or into, yeah, and those kind of things. So I think we're on board for that. But but if she's able to point to that, go, oh, look, I, you know. Han, I, I, in the short amount of time I spent around the campsite around you, I know this isn't necessarily you. And to be just another one of those people on the path of Han, but to have one who's like, I'm bruised and battered and scarred and broken from that life, um, turn around versus other people saying, hey, you are a good guy. The powerful moment, I think, from Kira, but yeah. Leia trying to pull him. Everyone's, everyone's kind of like, come, Luke, come help us, come help us uh, on the good side. And if she's not very good or bad, but just kind of like, that other life you want, this is the true cost. I want you to always think about that. Or maybe she's uh, upset, but I don't want to cast her as a as a vengeful uh, character. I want to cast her as a as a guiding light. Yeah, yeah, and I I just think that there's I think I, I do like what it accomplishes in the movie, uh, but I also I I think we we get that uh, you know with the the other characters' death uh, of course because um, we got two characters dying there. Um, and that there's, there'd be something to get out of the, like, yeah, it was a real hard decision for me, but I ran away and that's, Mm -hmm. that's what, you know, Beckett put me in a place to choose and I did not choose him would be an interesting character going forward. Yeah. I like that. All right. Uh, who you got next? I'm drafting Captain Panaka. Going Panaka here. So. We know he goes on, becomes a, a, an imperial, right? Um, a local governor, right? Not a moth governor. No, I can't remember his name. Uh, moth, yeah. Moth, moth, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then Claudia Gray's Leia, Princess Valderon. Uh, spoilers for those who haven't read the book. Uh, click out in three, two, one. Uh, he blows up. Uh, he's gone. Um, <laughs> great scene. One of my favorites. It really is one of my favorite moments. And he comes so close. He discovers. He absolutely, without a doubt, discovers the truth. He knows this woman young woman standing in front of him is padme's daughter he knows to me he knows I, I, oh I yeah yeah and he's gonna start making calls and then uh, the partisans take him out yeah so i think he survives again we didn't see the death on screen or read it on the page we assumed he's dead uh, i'll play around with those little margins uh, as far as they, they can take me so he comes back and now now he realizes what has become, and even though the partisans, the the rebels took him out, it's almost like he agrees and and sees uh, the error of his ways and how his loyalty to a a, a senator turned chancellor was, uh, you know, not correct, not what he should have done, and so now he's secretly helping the rebellion and keeps the secret. And there's always that tension. Will they get it out of him? Will he be tortured and captured in the spill the word? Um, but I think he becomes, then he can, then he can play in the shadows. So much like Ahsoka, you know, like you said, uh, zigging and zagging around the stories. You know, Panaka can zig and zag around, but then he makes an appearance in the Cassian Andor series season three. Oh, wow. Wow. That's great. Yeah. Uh, do you want a, a, a partially droid uh, Panaka? Yeah. Oh, definitely. He's got a, he's got a droid arm, maybe some shins. Um, 
definitely uh, he doesn't ask for the refresher often. Um, yeah, he's got a Rodian hand, just yeah. patched together, right? <laughs> uh, then you get uh, Hugh, uh, Hugh Corsi to play him. And, oh. uh, you know, an, an older, withered, beaten up uh, season three casting indoor Panaka. Oh, man, that's great. Yeah, Panaka is one of those characters who has developed so well in the books to be this sort of understandable slippery slope of he is so impacted by the invasion of Naboo that he really buys into, you know, the greatest safety is, you know, already having a gun pointed at somebody else. And that is, you know, what the, the sort of the lie of the empire that like order and power and control keeps you safe. And he starts from such a good place of wanting to defend Naboo and can't see uh, what the empire has become. Yeah. Yeah. And then for him to have to go through that experience and then, have an epiphany that he was wrong is really interesting. Yeah. I can have fun with that. Yeah. Nice. Why? Uh, okay. So my next draft <laughs> pick <laughs> in our great bring them back, uh, <laughs> battle is captain phasma. Yeah. Now, okay. That's mine. We got one. We're on the list. We're synced up. Okay. You're synced up. Okay. Good, 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 good. Yeah. I think, uh, Val and captain phasma compete for my number one, but phasma, I, I this is, you know, if we go by some of the criteria that I talked about uh, for myself of, of bringing characters back of the sort of real world, just are they cool? Do you want to spend more time with them? Uh, big yes for Phasma. You know, is there more story uh, to be told? Uh, big yes. Uh, does it make sense in the fantasy rules of Star Wars? Yes. She has one of the most Saturday afternoon serial cliffhanger uh, deaths I've ever seen. She ambiguously falls into a into some flames in a ship that is half falling apart. Of course she can survive. Of course it looks bad and she could have died. But this is a fantasy story and falling from a high place has never killed anyone <laughs> definitively in a in a fantasy serial cliffhanger story. Uh, again, like with all with all these, I, I, this is a dangerous one because this whole episode, I know people have will have strong opinions about everything I say, and, and all we can say is we're sharing our opinions and respect to everybody. Um, but yeah, I just feel like you know uh, she only had so much screen time, mm-hmm. got to balance everything, and and you know I think she had it in a short but interesting story in her relationship with Finn and her being the head of the uh, stormtrooper core for the first order. But then that book, man, it's fine with, I'd love to see her on screen, but if nothing else, at least just let uh, Delilah Dawson write another Phasma story. That that book is so great and so different. She's such a survivor. And the, the why for me would really be about how does this experience change how she feels about the first order? And the first order to me in the books felt like, a means to an end that she wants to be a person who is defined by her strength, by her ability to survive. She does not want to be less than she wants to have power and she wants to be able to through the symbolism of a mask and her equipment broadcast her power and and not just have it, but be it be power. And the first order is her ends to that. But if she, you know, is separated from the first order or even survives after the first order falls, what's her next attempt to be power? And then on a real practical uh, element, do we, is it a little bit of a mall story? Does she stay alive so she can kill Finn? Mm. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. See, uh, echo all you say about the character. And I, 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 it's one of, it is, um, 
as much as I love Last Jedi, I still sometimes wish there was just uh, more Phasma in it, and, and that uh, you, you found a little different way to use her. That's it's, it's something I uh, have to admit to myself. Um, name is I, you know, you used to fav- infamously maybe uh, early days of Force Center not love the name of Captain Phasma. Grew to it's just normal to me. It doesn't seem different at all. I like it. And this is another case of the performer Gwendolyn Christie. Who doesn't love Gwendolyn Christie? Right. See uh, her do more. Right. So it all factors in. So what I what I was thinking, but. God, you got me thinking. I was thinking initially she survives because why not? Of course, of course. I I just assumed she'd be in episode nine after episode eight. I didn't think for a second she was dead. Uh, But then again, maybe she did. Um, That she becomes the ghost of the New Republic, meaning she does come back and she haunts them. And she's like a (laughs) killer. She is maybe a little cyborg herself. Uh, She's alive. She isn't an actual ghost, but just is... uh, in almost a Game of Thrones kind of way, going around Winterfell, killing people, and it's a mystery. But then now what you're saying, does she have a change of heart? Not necessarily change of heart, because I, lo- I love what you're talking about, who she is in the quest for power. But is that power to get back at the First Order? Um, is she become the ghost of the First Order in that year, between eight and nine? Going yeah. around bases. Um, there's some mysterious killings happening. Some uh, some things are going down um, on Star Destroyers, whatever. And they can't figure it out. They can't figure it out. And it is, of course, of course, Phasma. Not a captain anymore. Just Phasma, the ghost of the First Order. Oh, man, I like that. Yeah, and, and I know it's going to be a while, probably before we get that, what happens after the sequel trilogy. But it'd be great if that if she is one of the kind of first problems of like, hey, remember, uh, just because you win the big battle doesn't mean there <laughs> doesn't continue to be problems in the galaxy, you mm-hmm. know, and is, is Phasma and her, you know, band of, uh, of strange warriors you know, uh, attacking early meetings as they try to set up the new Republic or, or the new, new Republic. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like it a lot. Uh, I would be happy to spend some more time with Phasma. Uh, all right. Who else you got? My final one on the list for me. Uh, I went with Asajj Ventress now a zombie witch. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, I love it. I love it as a uh, story. I just love Asajj. I feel bad. Tell me more. What, what are your thoughts? So so she doesn't necessarily come back from the dead, but she does come back um, and use there was some Dathomir-influenced uh, powers, some witch powers, um, kind of uh, returns. Not quite like a, like a Lady Stoneheart or anything, but just like she is Asajj. But she's not. She's been to the other side. She's come back with knowledge. So is she good? She bad? I don't know. Uh, do we need to reunite her with Quinlan Voss? Maybe. So I don't know. Um, uh, and I'll think about the big emotional reason. But I just like that. Yeah. No. I think there's some room there because they. I love the Night Sisters. I love the ambiguity of exactly how all of their magic and their uh, rituals work. And hey, give me that Disney Plus show of. Uh, of yeah, Quinlan Voss is still alive around the time of Mandalorian, and he yeah discovers that there is some secret Night Sister magic that he can use to commune uh, with the spirit of his lost love, Asajj. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't. I want her to find peace. The, the, the thing about Asajj is, I think in death she found some some peace. You know, she's, uh, sac- she's a big Jedi move. She sacrificed yeah. herself for Quinlan. Yeah, so. That'd be the danger, you know. We're having some fun here, bringing back characters, but it'd be the danger. I don't want to. I don't want to rob that character of peace. But uh, I don't know. It's also kind of cool to have some some haunting witch magic going on in Star Wars. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, a story that deals with the nature of death, you know, and and uh, how it relates to the the dark side, uh, you know, magics of the Night Sisters would be fascinating. Yeah, because we already do have them, you know, coming back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So cocoons and yeah. Mm. Uh-huh. Mandalorian season four, calling it right now. Zombie witch ventures coming back. <laughs> uh, yeah. So for my last one, I, I'm torn. I, I was almost going to go on about uh, you wanted to see Admiral Radis or Bistan uh, mm-hmm. survive sure. <laughs> the events of Scarif. That's very tempting. Uh, but I, I'm going to go with the big swing, Ken, and I think it's going to be super controversial. Oh, this would be for me one shot, one story only. But I'm going to say Ben Solo. I can't even believe I'm saying it, that I'm opening oh. up this can of worms. But oh. here's, it, it's, oh, no. I think for me, the <laughs> great virgins in the force. <laughs> um, I know there are extremely strong opinions about this one. So yeah. all, all due respect. I, I think his story, I, I like the way his story ended. I like that he made the choice uh, to turn back with the help of his father and his mother and uh, Ray. I like that he made the choice to give his life uh, to his his dyad partner uh, and and his love. However, you choose to define it, I think there's clearly love there that he chose to give himself uh, for Ray. I think that is a great story. I think that I understand a lot of people have have problems with it. I, I get it, um, and I think it's a good story to say. All of the Skywalkers are gone from this mortal plane, uh, but the spirit of them continues in, in Ray, who is saying, you know, it's not just a bloodline, it's an idea, and I'm going to pick up that idea. Uh, so I really like all that stuff. So th- none of this is a, for me because I think Rise of Skywalker should be fixed. For right. me, it's about just getting to spend more time with that character. Right. And right. what I think is interesting about that character is... I love this dyad thing. It's such a rich and interesting idea that they are connected in these, in these different ways. Uh, and I, I do, you know, he disappeared. I think we didn't see his spirit at the end of the sequel trilogy because the sequel trilogy was about the passing of the torch from generation to generation. It was about inheriting that name and getting that, you know, that connection to, to the previous generation. But I totally believe Ben Solo is, alive and, and in the force and, and it retained his identity as many of our uh, beloved uh, light side force users have and that he's totally able to commune with Ray. So this story that makes me go, ooh, one time only would be Ray encountering something like the world between worlds, something that uh, or, or some, you know, old force object that through the power of the dyad, she can bring him back to the mortal plane and like a one-off story about that temptation of he Mm -hmm. does come back, but they both know that the way of things, the natural order is to, to let him move on. So like be a one shot only of they, they have an adventure together, but know that this couldn't and shouldn't continue. Is is this like that uh, mid nineties, Nick Cage movie where he's an angel 
Uh, the Goo Goo Dolls going to sing? Uh, 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 I think this is a great idea, by the way. I'm not, make, not poking fun. But that, you know, she try, decides to bring him back. And then she dies and he's stuck in this world without her. Is that what you're trying to predict? Is that what you're, yeah. is that what you're yeah. doing, Scripture? Okay. No, I, I'm, I'm doubting myself as I say it. I am, I am uh, you know, dreading the can of Star Wars worms that I chose uh, to open. <laughs> I think this is a part of what is so intriguing about the star wars world is it's a fantasy story and particularly when you get into force users and you know mysterious dyads and you know mysterious temples and uh, all those things the how can can drift away and then you're really left with the why what story are you telling and even myself as i'm kind of pitching this story going but but do you really want that self is that's what this is about it's that dance between yeah yeah wanting to spend more time with these characters we love and then wanting to respect their their stories and where, where is the right natural point for their story to end and even as i'm pitching this i am in conflict with myself of like yeah but that was a beautiful end for the character are you just being greedy do you just want to unnaturally spend more time with a character you like yeah, low. Look, I, I feel you, man. Even with the Asajj choice, it's kind of that for me. I don't want to disturb the peace of, of Ben. You and I both like that uh, the the way the story went, and I know other people didn't. So you could find a way to do it. World between worlds. Even look, even the Lego holiday special, right? Ray's got a device that lets her travel. Um, you could find a mystical, spiritual, uh, you know, dreamlike way to do it, but also to make it real. The Disney Valentine's Day <laughs> movie of the year. <laughs> 2022 um uh i think we can do it yeah yeah if nothing else i think whatever it happens i think the nature of star wars we will eventually get more storytelling with ray if that happens on uh, in books if that happens you know in uh the the strange you know cinema screens that live inside our heads when we all live on mars however it ever happens that there's more ray storytelling i do think ben is a in my head canon ben is able to communicate with her and they are together after a fashion because I, I think they are connected and I think that dyad is so interesting and so powerful. Love it. I'm on board. Against better judgment, I'm on board. I Yeah, well, good. That's one of us because I don't know if I'm on board with my own idea, but I stand behind Phasma. That's the one I'm totally convinced of. Excellent. Well, that was great fun. Somehow, a lot of characters have returned. Uh, wrapping up here, Ken, on balance, uh, do you think Star Wars has been made richer by the characters escaping the jaws of death? I I really do. I really do. And that's something that's, um, you know, again, I, I'll still say it's case by case. The next one that comes back, you know, again, uh, Mace comes back in Mandalorian. I'll, all right, I'm going to have to you're going to have to convince me that it would work. So I think it's case by case basis, but the, the times they've done it, they really haven't done it a lot, to be honest. They really haven't. Um, I, I think uh, we've gotten some just wonderful storytelling, some touching, poignant, powerful storytelling. So yes, it's been made richer. Yeah, I think case by case is an incredibly wise way to say it. And I think, you know, we're sitting here talking about all these characters who have uh, escaped the jaws of death in some ways and then listing all the other characters that we want to escape in uh, fantastic ways. And there is that danger of you don't ever want death to feel not important or just it's a fantasy story. So anybody can survive ever. And that's that's not what I mean. I think it is really case by case. And in these cases, Maul in particular, and Fett, um, Palpatine, everything that we talked about um those characters, those stories are so great and so rich to me that I think that uh, I really 
think the way death has been handled in that some of these cases where they come back, their stories are so rich and so valuable to the overall Star Wars story. And it hasn't been open season. It hasn't been. It, don't worry. Yeah, yeah, it looked pretty bad for Jen and Cassian, but they'll be back in five minutes. We haven't actually got to that place in Star Wars at all, I don't think. Yeah, we have not, no. Okay. Final question for you, Ken, that I meant to be kind of a fun question, but it's also creepy, which makes sense (laughs) for this episode. If you could haunt an item like the Sith Lord Darth Momin haunted his mask, what would you want to haunt? (laughs) Two choices. There is a a plush, uh, a great Screen Junkies fan made of me. I've mentioned on the show, uh, we talked about the caps. It's sitting on my shelf. So it's like me in plush form with a little Screen Junkies shirt on and a Star Wars Imperial hat. I'd love to haunt that because it's just funny, right? Just hilarious. You come over to that house and and I'm like, hey, um, I can't because it's destroyed. It's crunched. It's gone. It's totaled. But I'd I'd haunt my old Camry. (laughs) Oh, that's great. That's you talk about some freedom. You know, haunting is definitely by definition clinging on naturally to something. But you still got a good spirit of movement. You're flying around, (laughs) driving through Los Angeles. Miss that car. I like that a lot. Uh, yeah, I would want to perhaps uh, haunt the bottle opener that my father gave to me. And then, you know, as it got passed on to whoever else would next have uh, the bottle opener, they could just feel a weird presence every time they opened a beer. <laughs> I would enjoy that. That's, you know, probably not healthy. Uh, or my I other feel, choice. I feel a presence I haven't heard felt since the last beer I opened. That's weird. <laughs> since, yeah, half an hour ago when I opened the last beer. Um that's a fast beer consumption time, depending on your point of view. Uh, my other option is like the dead opposite of yours. Car is such a great op, uh, idea, but this is totally selfish. It, uh, it'd be great to haunt a couch so I can watch television. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. I just don't want to let my stories go. <laughs> <laughs> That's what the haunting's about, not letting go. So that is our uh, big look at somehow blank has returned death and life after death in Star Wars. Uh, Ken, where can people find us? Uh, they can find me. Uh, you find uh, us on your phone, like uh, the one I just dropped, trying to uh, <laughs> uh, put it uh, down here. Uh, the uh, On Twitter, at Force Center Pod, Facebook page, Force Center Podcast, Instagram, YouTube. We are on Anchor, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, and more, including now Amazon Music. You can support us at tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center for merch, stickers, hats, uh, or masks, not hats, masks. They need hats. Uh, Patreon.com slash Force Center is where you can support us directly uh, as always just tell a friend about the show too that means a lot as well you can follow me at ken knapsack or go to my website ken that is great you can follow me on twitter and instagram at joseph scrimshaw and you can check out my website uh, joseph for all my other comedy adventures comedy albums uh podcasts all sorts of stuff like that but for now for myself for ken for all the characters who have escaped the jaws of death this has been force center
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.